Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. Investors, as you all know, Financing deals in today's market can be a bit challenging at times. If you're looking at funding your next real estate transaction, we are so excited to introduce to you Fund That Flip. Fund That Flip is a lending partner dedicated to grow your real estate investment portfolio. They specialize in fix and flip, buy and hold, new construction, and cash out refi for one to four units. Ladies, we have known the founder, Matt, and his team for many years now, and we can assure you that their support goes beyond just lending money. They become a true partner. So if you're looking for great terms and reliable service, check out fundaflip.com slash investher. Hey, everybody. This is Liz. And this is Pollock. And this is Peely. And you are back with us on the Real Estate Invest Her Show. So excited to have all of you back here. I have some two amazing guests with us today. I'm running solo. We miss you, Andressa, as always, my, my cohort, my, my partner in crime. But we are trudging, trudging through today on PodMax. And today's a special episode talking with these two amazing, amazing women uh, in multifamily, as moms, as women. So I'm going to have them both introduce themselves briefly. We're just going to change up our flow a little bit. And then we're going to get into some really neat topics around money, around risk, and around just mom and guilt and just things we deal with <laughs> on a daily basis. <laughs> so uh, so thanks for being back with us, um, our amazing, amazing investor community. So uh, Pollock, why don't you start a little bit, a little bit about who you are and um yeah go there and and also both of them have been on our um our sorry to interrupt um this is like a little bit of a live session um but both of them have been on our podcast before so i will put that in the show notes of what episodes so definitely check both of those episodes out they're great great episodes um so when you share a little about who you are i want you to share a little bit about um wh what propelled you to um you know just to be involved in real estate to, to take on this for yourself in your life as a, as a woman, as a mom, et cetera. And then we'll have Peely do the same. And, uh, and then we'll go from there. So, hi, my name is Pollock, and I have two businesses. We have Open Spaces Capital, which is the investing side of our business. And then um, for, with that, we have about four million in real estate, um, about a million in revenue. And then uh, Open Spaces Women, which is the education side of my business, where I coach women to do the same thing that I did. Um, so, in terms of how I got here, um, so I'm a mechanical engineer. I worked in corporate for 17 years. And and I remember it being great until I had kids. So um, I was traveling all over the world. Uh, my job was to teach uh, other CEOs, or teach CEOs, I wasn't a CEO, I was an engineer, teach CEOs how to uh, change their process in their factories to increase their bottom line. and. It was amazing because every time I visited a new country, I changed how things were happening in that factory. Mm. But at the end of the day, I was changing the bottom line for somebody else. Sure. I was at a job. And then my husband and I decided to have kids and I realized that I rarely got to see them. Um, I remember just getting resentful over time and thinking like, is this why I waited so long to have a family mm. to like not even see it? See <laughs> and mm -hmm. then 
um, I was, you know, pump. I would pump breast milk in like this office covered with newspapers and, and sit there and think, this is what I climbed the corporate ladder to do, like sit here and do a conference call with this office covered with right. newspapers. So anyway, so I, <laughs> I said to my it's boss. It's a vision I have right now. Right? Yeah, sorry about that. I asked my it's boss for, for flexibility. And it's just really hard as a corporate couple to you know have that corporate life and then have little kids. And I asked for flexibility and it wasn't very well received. So after spending a few months in turmoil, we decided to become a single income family. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be a full-time investor while being with my kids, which was insane, but amazing. <laughs> and so it has been an amazing journey. That's how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> I want to dissect a little bit of that in a moment. Um, that's great. Thank you. Um, so Pili. Uh, so my name is Pili Arusi. We also have two different parts of our investment company. We have uh, Yarusi Holdings, which is our holdings group. That's where we keep all of our um, investments. We have about 800 doors. Um, and then we have a couple of other things that we're doing. We have our multifamily foundation, which is our educational program. And we also rebranded our podcast. We still have our old podcast for everybody else that listens. We have the Real Estate Investing Foundation podcast. Mm -hmm. But in our effort, all of 2019 was all about focusing. So my husband and I, Jason, we honed in and realized we were doing so many so many things we were flipping we were wholesaling we were just doing everything if it was real estate we were doing it mm. and we were realizing we were really we're good we're honestly good at everything we're doing but i mean would you want to be good or would you rather be excellent in something we realized that we were mm. excellent excellent in multifamily so we got rid of the wholesaling business we got rid of the flipping business and we went all in on multifamily. And so we rebranded our podcast as the Multifamily Foundation Podcast. And that's what we focus in on. Um, so how did I get there? Uh, Jason and I met back in 2003. Long story short, we got together in 2012. And in 2014, we were, we were pregnant with our first child. And I didn't want to go back to the restaurant business. There was no way. There was no way I was going to bartend. There was no way I was going to run restaurants. So Jason and I sat down. We were just like, okay, well, what can we do? Well, why don't we do this thing called real estate? Um, and that's how we got started. We got started in flipping and wholesaling. Mm -hmm. And we figured we could, I could do that and take care of our children and really like build out from there. Of course, you learn that, you know, investing isn't isn't stay at home and and like watch the money flow in there's so it's much not. you have to, it's not oh my gosh it's so not i was like i was like wait a minute you mean i can't just do this like i can't just like sit here and like the money's just gonna no 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 <laughs> yeah i thought when they said passive income it was gonna be like on a beach exactly yeah. and that was just gonna happen in a year no um so it's been a learning process since then. And we have three children, three amazing children, and we've learned how to systematize our business so that our children come first. That's like the main thing in our, in our heads. Our children are first. Well, of course our relationship is, but our ch children, that's mm. our big why. Mm. So that's why we're here. Wow, I have a lot of questions for both of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a couple questions. Let, let's, start with, let's start with money. Because I think that is a big, a big one, especially if you want to get involved in real estate investing. People are like, "Oh, you don't need money." 
I'm like, you do need money. Maybe it's not your own money, but someone needs to have money to invest in real estate if you want to actually purchase properties. Maybe from a wholesaling or other, you know, perspective, you can do it creatively, but buying property, you still need money, right? So I'm curious to hear both of your thoughts on finding money, um, speaking about money. I know as as women, there's a lot of stuff around that. Um, I don't know if I was taught how to really go there uh, as a kid or as a woman or as a person. It's a very still taboo topic. And you have to become very comfortable, right? As, you know, as investors, you, you, it's hard not to talk about money in real estate investing. Um, so I'm curious to get your thoughts on ways to move through that. How do you find money? How do you, how are you comfortable talking about it? Where does that come from? So let's get your thoughts there. So in the beginning, uh, when both my husband and I had a full-time job, the only amount of time we had to invest in real estate with two kids and two full-time jobs was to just buy a property and rent it out. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know about LLCs and commercial financing and we would just scrape up every dollar we had enough to put a down payment on a property, get a conventional loan and buy that property. So what I would do is every month from my W-2, I would put uh, money, more money into taxes every month. That way I would get like a nice tax return at the end of the year and then buy a property with it. Mm, that's an interesting strategy. And just to force myself to save money, uh, we borrowed uh, from our 401ks. At times you can you can get a loan from your own 401k if you have a full-time job, get a loan from 401k, mm-hmm. use that to put a down payment on a property. Um, and my husband sometimes, he would, like if we were just short a little bit, he would sell stocks to kind of fill in Mm. he had some stock options at that time so that's how we were doing it in the beginning to like scrape up every dollar buy one property and then once Mm. i quit my job we didn't even have that second income there was no avenue to save no you know second second w2 so so at that time uh what i did was i i had maintained a good credit i was like diligent about paying bills and maintained a good credit and uh bank of america offered me um four percent upfront and zero percent APR for 18 months uh, like a personal line of credit so I borrowed fifty five thousand dollars when I quit my job from that and then did a bunch of deals with that and then we do value add investing so we cash out at the end so cashed out and then paid that back but but I I would use that with caution because when you borrow from a personal line of credit, it hits your DTI, your debt to income ratio. So so that shows up on your credit as credit card debt, as revolving debt, not the good kind of debt. So that was a little bit hard to get through, but that was that 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 gave us a starting point. Mm, that's a really good point of like how the different ways to actually finance your deals is gonna actually impact those really important things like right. credit and you know, that's becomes everything. And if you don't have credit, and especially when you go to refinance the property that you renovated with that money, the bank is it's like a chicken, the Mm -hmm. chicken or the egg thing. So you went down conventional road, you also did like, did you do any sort of private money? Or is it more like borrowing against the assets that you had? Really? Yeah. And and then um, we, we use a lot of hard and soft money for our deals. We haven't done private money yet. Okay. Awesome. Well, I think I think a lot of a lot of investors start off that way. I know we started off that way too. We just thought, okay, how much money do we have? What kind kind of money can we put into into these mm-hmm. deals? And that's how we started with our with our flipping business. We'd buy one, mm-hmm. flip it, buy another one, flip it. Like it was one at a time. And that was that's not 
that's not scalable on any level. So even like taking that notion and putting into large multifamily, that's not scalable either. So you do have to learn how to use banks and debt and other people's money. And so when it comes to other people's money, I don't like asking for it. I don't. I give value first. Mm. I mean, that's the first thing you do when you like, for instance, if we first met and I was like, so would you like to invest in my deal? I have this deal. It's you amazing. You don't say that just like you just meet someone in like yeah. Walmart. Yeah, that's a great way, way to like raise money. Yeah. By the, by the way, way, doing some shopping. Can, can you invest with me? Yeah. Here's a hammer. Creep Let me hit you yeah. over the head with it. Yeah. Creep. Yeah. <laughs> so you add value. You let people know. You build that relationship, and then it sort of like builds on that to like, oh, by the way, this is what I do. If I can somehow help you with what I do, then great. Come and talk to me about it, and you le- kind of leave the door open at least that's how I start the conversation it's not even with the people that I know that invest Mm -hmm. I just kind of say this is what I do and I kind of leave it there Mm -hmm. and if they decide to pick it up great if not then maybe it's for them another day Mm. yeah that's a really comfortable way of of talking about like you know just money and 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 investments and it's it could be very awkward and I I agree with you like when you when you say like oh I don't want to ask for money and I don't want to put people out you're providing an investment opportunity, mm-hmm. right? You really, you're, it's the same yes. thing as like value. You're not asking for money. This is not a donation. Yes. That's different, right? If they're donating to your cause, awesome. But that's not what you're doing. You're you're providing value from a, you know, you're investing in my deal and I'm going to give you a certain return, right? Well, that's and why. tax benefit, huge tax Exactly. Benefit. Well, and that's why I don't like, I don't actually like the term money raiser. Mm. I like the term opportunity provider oh, because you're providing that. Like that. you're providing an opportunity to people. Right. You're not I mean yes you're raising money. It's true. But it's it sounds so crass like I'm raising money. But right. if you if you turn it on its head and say I'm providing you an opportunity. This is what it is. To invest, yeah. This yeah. is and and as long as you know the numbers pan out, this is a great opportunity. Here it is. If you want it great. Yeah. Love that. You know, as women, as not just women, but as investors, we, we there's a common road we do have to transition, right? So we're using our own resources. Um, we were the same way, although we started borrowing money very early on because we didn't have that much. So we're like, Dad, can you give us the down payment on our first property? So our dad was our per- first private money partner. And, um, and that was a good thing. And we paid him back in full, which is great. <laughs> but it could be very scary. And it's like you're borrowing money from family and friends. It, it could be very... It can ruin relationships, right? And it can really end up in a different way. So as, as you know, the women listening to this are navigating a lot of women I talk to have done deals. They have four or five properties, 10 properties. Now they're trying to scale. And when you're scaling, it's a different ballgame, right? You're, you're not, you can't just use your own resources unless you've been endowed like a million dollars, you hit the lottery. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know about you both, but that hasn't happened to me. Nope. Um, so you have to start leveraging other people's money and, and resources, and you have to get out of your comfort zone. So how have you both been able to move through that? I like what you're saying, Peely, about the whole, I put it out there, you know, and, and this is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it's how you present things is yep. also part of it. Um, how have you dealt with that, Peely? Because you've, you know, you've also been, you know, working through that with your, the women you coach, you know, the ladies you talk to of like, how do you get to be more, you know, just comfortable with it all? Uh, so do you mean comfortable around the conversation of money or taking risks? Yeah, and, and yeah, just- and segue into the risk-taking because money is connected to risk-taking. So I think it's very, you know, very connected. Yeah, um, I feel like um, 
risk taking and dealing with a lot of money, especially from somebody like me who comes from being an employee, just like four years ago I was an employee, you have to get out of that employee mindset, first of all. You have to understand that nobody's gonna tell you what to do anymore. It's your responsibility and your future is gonna go where you're gonna take it. It's not a boss is gonna really dictate it anymore, which is great, but it also, it's hard for for somebody who's always been an employee to start, you know, step into that role and start making those big financial decisions. Yeah. So one is like getting out of the employee mi- employee mindset. And then I say, I don't know if I read it somewhere, but I say like flex your risk taking muscle. So the more the more you do it, the more comfortable you get at it. And for you know, just being an engineer, I feel like I put numbers on everything. So what I do is uh, if I'm uncomfortable with a risk, I'll put a dollar amount to it. I'll be like, okay, worst case scenario, best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario, fantastic, this is how this deal is gonna go. Worst case scenario, I will lose, say, $10,000. And so am I willing to pay $10,000 to go through the learning experience that this mm-hmm. risk is going to allow me to have? And put a dollar amount to it. And then if you're comfortable with it, take that risk. So I say just keep, keep if you once you keep doing it more and more you get more and more comfortable assigning some number to the risk that you're taking and then moving forward with that hmm. i like that a lot that's a really good strategy because then you're able to go into it like a like excitedly versus like oh i don't know about this decision and then you're yeah exactly. you're already nervous right you're just going to bring that energy that's and really especially neat. if you're like connected really with the money aspect of it then you know how much this risk is going to cost you, which is, it's huge. That's to have that knowledge. Because you figure like coaching programs these days cost anywhere from 500, 5,000, 50,000. So it's the cost of doing business. And with every failure, there's a cost to it. But if you fail and fail quickly, then it's worth jumping into. So I can totally see where you're coming from. Right, assign assign Mm -hmm. a number to it and then Mm -hmm. decide if it's worth it. I wish we did that early on. You know, I think about, you know, you think about yourself and you're like, you know, I I think, you know, and I think sometimes being naive is helpful when you're young, you know, like before kids, Mm -hmm. like the decisions I made early on, I think in our investing career, me and my husband, I'm like, I, I would never make that now. Right. I would never do what I did then, but I was in my twenties. So, um, you know, I'm only 28 now. No, I'm joking. But um, (laughs) I'm not that funny, but, but no, it's true. It's like, you really do like, it's very, um, it's very powerful to think of it in that way. Like, what is the cost to this? And I think those numbers increase as you, as you increase in your business. Mm-hmm. So this, like, if you lost 5,000, you'll get to the point, I was talking to a woman and she's like talking about how much money she's about to lose on a project she's doing. And I was empathetic, you know, but, but the number, you know, so I'm gonna lose $25,000. And I said, I totally get that because I've been there and it is hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard losing $10, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, I have a hard time losing any amount of money because I'm pretty cheap. But you want to get to the point where $25,000 isn't that big of a deal. And I know that's hard to say, right? And to feel because even in your gut, you're like, it's a lot of money. It is. But you have to become just, you have to move through it because this this business of real estate investing is going to kick you around a little bit. You're going to lose some money at some point. I I don't know how people... Don't ever lose any money, and they're on podcasts. They're like, "I'm amazing, and I just make money every left and right." (laughs) That's awesome. But how did? Okay, let's talk about when did you start? You know, how did you start? I don't know. We started when we were young. We knew nothing, so I I, we got we got beat beat up a lot. 
and I, we lost a lot of money. And um, it's not fun, but you, your risk-taking muscle, if you will, increases. Mm-hmm. How have you been able to move through it? Move through the risk? It's yeah. just, like I said before, it's, it's like, it's knowing that at some point you're gonna fail. It's just going to happen. You're going to fail. You're going to lose money. But move through it as quick as possible. Let yourself have the five minutes of a pity party. Like seriously, seriously, let yourself have a pity party. Let yourself be like, oh my goodness, I did this and I did this to myself. And all these bad things happen and blah, blah, blah. And then realize, okay, take a deep breath and then realize what choices you made or didn't make that made this happen, that made this failure happen. Look for the good in the failure. Look for what did you learn? Find those things that you learned. And again, if you're really, really into the money, then assign those things that you learned like amount, like a value. Yeah, put a value value to it. Put a value to it. Like I lost X amount of dollars. So this thing that I did wrong, I hired the wrong contractor for the job that cost me this amount of money. So next time when I hire a contractor, I'm gonna make sure I hire the right one or I'm gonna lose this X amount of money again. So that's a really excellent way to think of things. For me, I just, I let myself have that moment. I give myself grace and then I jump into the next thing because there's no sense in dwelling in your failure. Learn from it, move on. Yeah. It's it's also important to know upfront that no matter how much information you gather and mm-hmm. how much knowledge you have, there's still gonna be failures. Yes, there is no way to avoid it. Yeah. no matter yes. what level of investing you're at, right? Yeah, yes. no. And I I've been at this since since 2004. We bought our first duplex, so that's 14 years. And there's times in our business this year, my husband and I were going through some of our goals and some of the projects, and I'm like, how did that happen? And we've been doing this for as long as we have. And to your point, you you know, you t- there's a lot of reasons, and you assess it. We're going to move on. We're not going to do that again. But it just it just you just keep creating more that's, and you just want to get less than. Okay, we're not going to do that again. That's not mm-hmm. that doesn't work for us or our right. you know for our goals and this. But it's hard sometimes because you do feel like you know I I've done this. We've been there. This is but but lessons have to come back, and you have to move through them and not keep repeating them. Yes. (laughs) Which is what, the definition of insanity, right? Keep doing the same thing over and over again. But the business grows with when you grow. Yes. Your business can only grow as much as you grow. I I find that if I'm playing a bigger game in life and I'm putting myself out there, then the business will grow along with it versus the other way, right? Yes. We have these big goals and we're like, well, you got to be a bigger person to meet those goals. Better habits, better mindset, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever it might be. So... Let's go there for, for a second, too. I mean, both successful women in this business, not only for your own portfolios, but teaching other people, which is awesome. So what have you found to be your, like, you know, best mindset kind of strategy, you know? Or I don't say strategy. That seems a little much, but like strategy. But, like, what is your favorite, like, you know, way of being or thought process to set yourself up for the most success? So. Am I going first? Yeah, you're going first. I'm totally like you know, looking at me, staring down at you. <laughs> Please answer my question. <laughs> so, so for me, uh, for me, the biggest thing has been just focusing on what's important to me, and then not worrying about the rest. So I get, I get 
this I hear this a lot about like this whole invisible workload that women talk about like oh I ha- we have this and it's true I mean I'm not trying to undermine that we all have this invisible workload um, define the invisible workload if you don't mind so wh- what's the invisible workload the in- invisible workload is um, all of the work that women do in relationships or in raising a family okay. that no one sees or appreciates like writing Christmas cards mm-hmm. and organizing birthday parties mm-hmm. and remembering to send a present to mm-hmm. their mother-in-law or mm-hmm. all of these things mm-hmm. or, or making sure the kids, I don't know, project is complete on time. Mm-hmm. They're doing their homework. These things don't just happen on yeah. their own. Right? Right? These Got things it. take time and they take time away from our days that we should be either spending with our kids or with, on, or our, on business. our business. Mm-hmm. Right. Got it. So, I've actually never heard the term, so it's it's. I totally understand what you're saying. Somebody was just asking me about that, and then somehow I feel like when you're exposed to a term, it oh, keeps I'll see appearing. It <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So I see that all the time, and um, for me, the easiest thing to to keep all of that at bay is I just focus on what's important to me and not worry about the rest. And mm. it's hard, you know. Like there's like. I'm a very OCD person. It, it becomes really hard to do that. There is like Marie Kondo's and I don't know. There's like all of this stuff out there that we're supposed to be looking mm-hmm. at. And um, But I just feel like when it comes to family, for me, the most important thing is this is why I quit my job. It was a visceral need to be around my kids. Like I, there is mm-hmm. no denying it. I want to spend time with my husband and my kids. And everything else doesn't matter to me. Like my daughter didn't have a birthday party this year, neither did my son actually. But almost every week I've taken a day off and spent it with them. They're not in kindergarten yet, so we can do that. <laughs> I've taken a day off and we've gone to the zoo. We've ran into yeah. each other like once. <laughs> we've done all kinds of things together. And for me, time is more important than having any of these superficial things. So that's all I focus on. And then when it comes to the business, again, to keep, to keep the the amount of work that needs to get done uh, at bay. We have one strategy. I know why I'm doing it. We do buy and holds because I want to build income and wealth. And I don't look at any other shiny strategies out mm-hmm. there. And that's that's all I, I want yeah. to do and that's all I can you do. Get your priorities straight. And then Love it. everything else can be automated, delegated, or my favorite, eliminated. Mm-hmm. Nice. Not sending Christmas cards. You know, or so throwing a, birth, birthday yeah, parties. Yeah, it's a conscious choice. It's a conscious choice to just... Well, and you have to be so, like, mindful of why are you doing it, right? It's like checking boxes off, right? Mm-hmm. I'm the mom. I have to do this, and, and, and I have to throw the birthday party. Why am I doing Is this going to bring me joy? Um, someone asked me around Thanksgiving, why are you going to Black Friday shopping and getting up at 5 a.m.? I'm like, that brings me joy. I actually really enjoy it. No, I really do. I met my mom. We had our coffees. And it's not about the savings, although I am very cheap. I like saving money. But it was just fun to do it with my mom. And I was like, this brings me joy. And you have to ask yourself those questions. Not always those right. shopping things bring you joy. But it did in that moment. They're like, you're crazy. I'm like, well, whatever. I was going to say Black Friday doesn't bring me joy. No. I'm at home. Most people, that's true. <laughs> How about for you? I love that. I love what you're saying, Pollock, because it is... I love the term invisible workload. Yeah. And I think then reconciling it and, and how do you feel about it and how do you move through it is really, really powerful. Um, how do you manage that? You have three little ones. <laughs> it's all about system systematizing everything. I find those things that I don't have systems for are the things that go first. So I have systems for, you know, the morning time, how my mornings go. Jason wakes up at 4.30 
four thirteen. I exactly four thirteen. Exactly. Are you serious? Yes. That's a yes. very specific number. <laughs> I usually wake up around six okay. because I'm usually the one because he wakes up early, gets his day started early. I usually wake up if the kids get up, if the kids mm-hmm. need help during the evening, and we have these systems for our morning. I get the kids ready. He comes and helps me after he's done his morning mm-hmm. thing. I go and do my morning thing, and then I take the kids to school. He goes to work, and then I join him. And my work day is from. 10 to 3. Mm-hmm. That's it. And this, and okay, so I'll, I'll continue with that. Okay, so 3 o'clock, I pick up my son from kindergarten, and then I pick up my daughter and my other son from daycare, and from that time forward, that's me and the kids. So let me backtrack over to the between 10 and 3. Between 10 and 3, I'm not allowed to have mom guilt. That doesn't, that does not come in, because that was a big factor back when I was like, because I've been basically either pregnant or with children during our entire real estate journey. Mm. We started when I was pregnant, and I've, I've we've had three kids now. Sure. So I didn't know how to deal with that. So I needed to systematize everything. So my even my workday is systematized. I have I, a full practice of the one thing. I figure out what is that one thing. And Jason and I actually talk about it in the morning. I was like, I always go to Jason. I'm like, Jason, do you have something that needs to get done today? Because I'm the, in our in relationship, he's more of the visionary and I'm the implementer. So I know if there's something that he needs implemented, I, I was asking for something like, is there something you need me to do? Because don't ask me later. Because I'll have to push it to tomorrow. Is mm-hmm. there something that is very important that needs to be done today? So, and that gets stuck in. And that's the one thing I need to get done within those hours. And as long as I get that done, my day is complete. Mm. If I have time during those hours to do other things, there's, I mean, there's always stuff that you can do in this business, always, yeah. within, between the podcast and the investments, and there's always something else to do. But Jason and I know that when it comes down to the business or the family, I'm family first. He's business first, and then we mix the two. So in our business, I am more investor relations. I have conversations because those are things that I can like have a conversation and be like picking up my kids. Like I can extend my work day that way. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically how I deal with it. I just everything is systematized. Well, and also what you're saying too is more than systematized. You're very clear on yeah. clarity of roles. It has right. to be. I mean, you, you know, you weren't like well someday like you didn't say it like that you're like bingo bango bingo like that's clarity so that clearly is (laughs) helpful i mean right it has it well i have to do that because i'm by nature i'm a very free-flowing free-spirited person like if if i could i'd just be like yeah let's kind of do this now let's go to the beach let's go let's go to the zoo whenever we want no (laughs) i have to tell myself okay once it hits 10 o'clock all my like me things, exercising, kids, that stays up there. 10 to three, it's all business. Once three o'clock happens, then I can go back to kids and me time. But those hours, yeah, because that, that's the time that you there's freedom in systems, especially for like somebody like me who's just like can be willy-nilly if allowed to be. In those systems, I find the freedom because then now I know, okay, 10 to 3, I can just explore all my creativity and options in business right there. In the morning, I can I can just like completely focus on my kids and not worry. Like if Jason has wants to have a conversation about business, I just like look at him like, is it 10 o'clock yet? It's not 10 o'clock yet. 
Is it really yeah, important? Yeah. Is it yeah. really important? Because if it's really important, then yes. But if it's not important, yeah. then it doesn't get it doesn't go into my brain until ten o'clock. Yeah. Because I want to be focused for my kids. I don't want right. them to think like I was having this conversation with somebody and like the other day I was I was talking with my son. I was trying to get him to talk with me. And he's like, Oh oh mommy, mommy, I'm busy. I'm doing my work. I was like, okay, when did I say that to him? Because it's, it, it's on you. Yeah. It's on you. Yeah, the guilt part, I think, yeah, I love what you both are saying. I mean, I think the guilt part as a mom, because we have the invisible workload, mm-hmm. right, in, in essence, and, and it's, you know, a lot of what Cheryl Sandberg said in her Lean In, I don't know if either of you, I'm rereading that. It's a really interesting book. It's about, like, moving through that and empowerment. It's, you know, it's not to complain. It's actually a very mm-hmm. empowering book. But anyway, um, a lot of like that, okay, I have my work, we got, you know, the kid, the home life, like owning some of that and also speaking up for when you need help. Um, We had interviewed a woman on our podcast um, and she was talking a lot about, you don't ask for permission, you ask for support. And I thought that was a really good distinction because I often will be more like, you know, and I think I have a similar role, Peely, like my husband and I have a business, I'm... I'm, I'm, you know, the real estate investor is like a, a separate venture, not including my husband, which I, which gives me energy, which I love, because I'm like, no, nothing to do with my husband. It's my own thing, you know, um, with Andressa, but not including my husband. But you have to often look at like, you know, that whole dichotomy of just moving through that in a peaceful way. Um, you know, so where I was going with that, I was asking for support. And I think we have to do that. Like we have to speak up and we have to ask for support because we're like, oh, well, I don't get the support I need or, oh, I, you know, I can't get to the gym or, oh, like it's just, it's on us to speak up. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you have to, and not just, oh, can, can I, you know, sometimes I find myself like, can I go to the gym this morning? I'm like, what did I just say? Can I go to the gym? No, I need to go to the gym. When can you support me to go to the gym? And I have a very loving relationship with my husband most of the time, of course. Um, you know, there's moments when I'm banging his head against the wall. But but I do. We have a pretty healthy relationship overall. And I still say stuff like that. And yeah. I'm like, no, I need to ask for support. That's on me to change my language. Right? No, I get the I get the same the way. Reader, right? I, I think I think my husband's gonna read my mind. Yeah. And I've in the years that we've been together, I, I more and more realize that's not the case. He can't read my mind. So, yes, I have to ask for support. And sometimes those words do come out of my mouth. Oh, is it OK if yeah. or can I? No, because like Jason, and I have a huge commitment to self-improvement and and physical fitness. Yeah. So I know I know that if I at, or if I tell him, how can we? make it so I can get to the gym this morning. We try and live our lives by that term. How can I, yeah. how can we, how can we make this happen? Because we've been on this like physical fitness journey for some time now. And there's certain things that we have to do daily or we're gonna fail it. So he knows that if I'm like, I didn't get my second outside workout done. And you have a very regimented program. Yes. Very, very how, cool what they're doing. How can we make that happen? He's like, okay, well, let's do this thing. And then you make sure the kids get into bed. And then you can go outside at that time. Yeah, when I watch Peely's posts on Facebook. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't get to the gym today. Or in my head, I'm like, oh, it's just a hard. And then I look at your post. And she's doing like burpees outside in the snow with her two kids just watching, cheering. I'm like, I can get to the gym. <laughs> Peely's doing that outside. 
I can do my own thing. I can squeeze in a 20 minute workout. You're like totally my inspiration for working out. Well, when it comes to that, like I didn't realize I could do that. I'm not a gym buff. I'm not like I grew up like but she's literally she's outside in the snow working out. Like, right. We have no excuses. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Like and, no excuses. And it's hard to make excuses after you see her do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, the crazy thing is this program and it's called 75 Hard if anybody's interested in it. Yes. Yeah, pretty powerful. It is powerful because it you it gives you the exact things that you have to do and it's scalable all you have to do is get the time in hmm. so it's basically 90 minutes of exercise broken up into two 45 minute increments because one of them has to be outside because it just it just forces you to be in sort of a painful position because you can grow from so, it because so, i hate being i don't cold. interrupt you but so two 45 minute sessions in one day yes okay so Think about that. She's a mom of three. She's growing a business. <laughs> That's amazing. She has systematized. She asks her, clearly ask your, yourself the question, how can we? Right? Yes. I mean, most of us are like, I don't know how I would even put that into my schedule. And I'm not, but I'm not asking my question, how can you? Yes. And that's what we do need to do a better job right. of all of us. Yes. How can we? How can we be a great mom and run a business and grow a portfolio? And that's what we're all about. With and take care show. of ourselves. And take care of ourselves, primarily. Primarily. <laughs> and inspired by your... 75 hard we my husband and i actually hired somebody to show up at our house so that we would work out this is yeah they i say they because it's a gender non-conforming trainer they just show up and we have we have no choice perfect i saw that and i was like i have to do something somebody's gonna have to make me do this so that's what we did that (laughs) how's that go how when did you start it uh six months ago maybe that's awesome they just literally come it's like yeah. a personal trainer it's from a, personal a gym? Trainer. Or? Okay. It's a personal trainer. Very cool. Yeah, they, they show up and we have to do whatever they tell us to do at that point. That is awesome. It is awesome. But but to know yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So if I want this in my life, how can I and how can I set myself up for su- success, right? Not like I need to be doing this myself because I'm a, because I'm, you know, whatever. Like we just need to love ourselves mm-hmm. and be graceful with ourselves. And yes. If, and if you're someone who's going to go outside and like feel miss peely and work out in the snow i lost the image i have of you the other day of you in the snow like literally snow coming down she's like i got this i'm like she's too much she's like i gotta get to the gym or if you need someone to come to your house and i need i won't do it unless they show up but know yourself (laughs) and then do it and don't make excuses the funny thing is i'm laughing because i can't tell you how upset i was i was just like i i'm snowing and i have to be outside because i have to do my workout you know what? I'm going to do burpees. <laughs> I'm going to get wet. Burpees. And I'm just going to... I'm, oh. <laughs> burpees are hard for me on a good day in like a gym. And I'm like, got my water right there. Not in the snow with my kids. Literally, kids are outside watching their mom. I just, I love that image. In my oh, they were, they were playing in the snow. That's how, that's how I get most of my workouts in. I love that. But I mean, moving through the guilt of putting... I love what you said, Pollock, about what is most important to me. And not just doing things because of everyone else doing them and then to be able to systematize your life you know and um and get out of your comfort zone and and take little steps mm-hmm. right um you both have been amazing uh we usually ask questions at the end i don't know if i'm going to do that i'm just going to kind of we're bringing we're it for this episode but i i'd say a question for both of you as we wrap up what's one thing as a woman in this business that you know what what's what's the one advantage of being when we talk a lot about this is a more male dominated industry um and and i love this community of of women we're, we're building around really you know not just taking care of ourselves financially but taking care of ourselves in a balanced way because we need to do that as women um, because we have that all these other things around us so 
What's one thing that you would say for yourself that, you know, is, what's the question I just asked? I totally forgot the question I asked. I'm like, losing. this is like mom brain yeah, 2.0. Can, can you ask again? <laughs> I might have to ask, can you? Can no, you? stop, stop, because then I'm going to forget. <laughs> no, I, seriously, this is no, not even the planned. One thing, it's the one thing that, um, as a woman, that you feel that you have an advantage over. Yes, thank you, Peely. Oh, my gosh. Oh, thank you. Oh, no, pregnancy, Lord. pregnancy brain doesn't go away. You know, when I'm thinking about the question, you don't need to know why I forgot it, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> um, uh, so I still choose to keep property management in-house, mm -hmm. and it's because I like working with our tenants. And I don't do all the work myself. No. No, no one can grow that way, but <laughs> but I keep overall in-house property management because I feel like I don't see a lot of uh, men talking about uh, property management as a hospitality business. Mm. And I don't know if it's what I bring to the table being a woman, but I like to treat my tenant relationship as a hospitality business. It affects my bottom line because they stay longer. And, you know, it, I have lower vacancy and when they leave, they leave the property in a better condition mm. because of the relationship with me and because of how I, the service I provide. So I feel like that's maybe one thing I bring. I love <laughs> being, it. Being a woman. Mm -hmm. I actually Huge really, advantage. really, really like that because yeah. we, I, I always talk about, because you go on Facebook and you always see people say, oh yeah, I just took down this cabillion unit building, yeah. but nobody ever talks about the asset management. Nobody ever talks about the aftercare mm -hmm. of the building and tenant processes and really taking care of your mm -hmm. tenants. So that's that's fantastic that you are like singularly focused on that. Yeah. For me, uh, the benefit of being a woman, I almost forgot too. Uh, <laughs> I didn't forget this time, I actually remember. <laughs> I feel like I, I bring a softness because we have, my husband and I do this as a partnership. Mm -hmm. So I find that, and I've actually had a male uh, investor tell me this. He's like, I just kind of like talking to you better just because I feel more comfortable talking to you and talking about my money with you and talking about like what I want to do going into the future and I don't know if it's because of my like because of my uh, I'm a woman or just because of the way I am because Jason and I are completely different people mm -hmm. no matter if we're ma male or female but as a woman I feel like I can have these conversations and not bang people over the head mm -hmm. and not feel make people feel like I'm like trying to source money from them yeah I'm trying to create relationships yeah I have I like create a relationship with my family I nurture that relationship I create relationships with my investors and I nurture those relationships and they become my friends a lot of them are my friends yeah and I want before before I go if I can like say one thing one thing that I found that that has helped throughout everything is that all you have to do is open your mouth and talk. Like tell people what you're passionate about. Because obviously the people in this room are passionate about what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So why not talk about it? Because I found every time that I haven't talked about it, I've lost opportunities. Mm. So you're making opportunities for yourself. I love it. 
That's a really good point. Um, well, YouTube is amazing. This little special episode of, of the Real Estate Investor Show. So yeah. thank you for listening, uh, amazing women out there. Thank you for listening to our show and watching this on YouTube. Uh, before we go, how can the women, women listening and watching learn more about these two amazing ladies? You have to watch both of them. Great, great, great women. So how can they learn more about you and all the good stuff you're up to? Uh, so we have a free training set up if anybody's interested openspaceswomen.com forward slash webinar I talk about uh, you can learn a little bit more about me if you want or you can skip that part and <laughs> and we talk about the four uh, pillars of scaling uh, a small uh, single and smaller multifamily portfolio awesome. fantastic yeah I'm gonna look that up I know cool. <laughs> the part where I show my kids no. photos no 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 Stop. I'm gonna look at that part first yeah that's, actually, the, that's the best part exactly yeah. so you can right. actually just email me peely at yarusiholdings.com y-a-r-u-s-i holdings.com uh, my name is spelled p-i-l-i um email me directly you can also find us my husband and I on our podcast the multifamily foundation podcast or the real estate investing foundation podcast awesome well, both of you, thank you so much for being on this special edition of the Real Estate Investor Show. And we love you, Andressa. We missed you terribly. But uh, we had a fun time here. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And uh, both of you, thank you so much. Good luck to both of you. You're up to some amazing things. Thank you. Thanks. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.